Welcome to Spotlight Conversations with voice talent and DJ Donna Reed. Donna talks music and media from her sunny linoleum-free studio. Come on in. Yes. Okay. Welcome to another episode. And today in the studio, wait, before I go any further, the voice you just heard introducing Spotlight Conversations. I know, right? It's Joe the Voice Guy. According to his website, his voice is as natural as nature. Joe Szymanski is his actual name. Go to JoeTheVoiceGuy.com and you'll hear more of his stuff. And I'm so happy to have him in the studio today because we have so many things we're going to talk about. We'll talk a little bit about voiceovers, but fishing and traveling with family. Welcome, Joe. So nice to have you here today. Thank you, Donna. Thank you for, uh, for taking the time to talk today. It's great. I was looking at everything you've done. You've done voiceover work for ABC, CBS, NBC Sports, Nat Geo, Jimmy Kimmel Live. What was that like? <laughs> what was, that was I love him. What is that like? Oh, he's funny. It was a cool feather in the cap. Um, I didn't really get to work with Jimmy, unfortunately, because um, he, you know, he's above all the uh, the production that goes on <laughs> behind the scenes. But I, he does approve everything. So I know at one point he listened to me and he he checked off the box that said, it's OK, we'll use this guy. So um, it was cool. It was really neat. I got to work with one of his producers a couple of times. Um, uh, I think between uh, probably a year apart uh, a few years ago. So it was really, uh, really neat to, to be able to say, yeah, I was on Kimmel. And you started as a little kid loving voice work, loving radios. Is that right? Uh, yeah. Just a backstory about how you got into this. It's, it goes way back. <laughs> it really does. I'm one of those weird kids that knew, you know, from third grade on what I wanted to do. Um, my dad was kind of a a techie guy, kind of guy. He was kind of a, a geek for for sound, and he actually had a, a couple of mixers laying around. And at one point, he brought home. Um, he worked at a factory doing maintenance, and he brought home the factory's phone system that they were getting rid of because they were upgrading. And he put phones in each of our bedrooms. Uh, my sisters and and I and all the living room had a phone. The kitchen had a phone, and they were speaker phones. So what you could do is dial from one room to another by hitting the uh, the speaker button. And I would use it to actually play music from a boombox. And I was like probably like six years old, seven years old, somewhere in there. And I would like hold it up to the speaker, and then I would DJ the song like in between the songs while I got the next uh, the next CD in and hit play. And I would call my sister incessantly with the, <laughs> with this little uh-huh. in-house radio station that I made. And she was a good sport, you know. She would listen and whatnot, and that's really how it started. And then I bought a little FM transmitter kit, probably a, a year or so later, and soldered it together with my dad's help. And uh, I was at that point, I was really on the air, you know. I was on on FM radio. Of course, we lived in the country, uh-huh. in the middle of a, a field. So I mean, I didn't really have any listeners. I think there were people that would drive by and, and hear it, you know, and tell me about it later. But Aww. it was uh, it was kind of the foundation for a career. You're a voice guy who's on the road, literally. What is that literally. about? Yes. This business is weird in that, you know, if you, if you get into some of that promo work, uh, high-level network promo, it really locks you down because you've got to be on call kind of 24-7. Right. It was kind of interesting because I felt like vacations were always a thorn in my side. I loved going on vacations, but I would only go like once a year, and which, you know, first world problem, right? right but I would only right. be able to go get away like once a year. And while I was on vacation, I would always travel, of course, with a laptop and a microphone because I had to be on call 24-7. I couldn't just say, I'm going on vacation, you know, use somebody else because mm-hmm. a lot of times they would use somebody else. And sometimes they would find that that 
other voice maybe was a little fresher and you know they would end up sticking with that other voice does that so go on in the voice business that show? does go on yeah quite a bit quite a bit as <laughs> yeah. you know oh, yeah. so so what i came up with was um just throwing around ideas on how to become more mobile because we'd end up in these um these cabins and whatnot with just tons of echo and hardwood oh, and yeah. tile and just i would build these pillow forts all around me to try to keep the sound somewhat you know, contained and, and make it sound somewhat like home, right, <laughs> my home studio. Right, right. So I thought there's got to be a better way. So we started exploring like utility trailers, like outfitting a, a you know, like, like a tool type trailer that you see that you would pull behind your truck with a studio. And then we started thinking a little bigger, my wife and I, and we're like, we like camping. Like, what if we, you know, did something with a camper? And uh-huh. long story short, we ended up buying a camper that was intended to haul, they call it a toy hauler. It's intended to haul like uh, four-wheelers and okay, motorcycles, right. dirt bikes. It's built to carry weight in the back. It likes weight in the back because then it balances the rig out. So we thought, well, let's put a booth in the back. So we actually um, purchased a, a prefabricated 5 by 5 booth built in the back of the camper, literally. And now, you know, as long as there's cell, we can go. We can hit the road. In fact, I'm in it right now. I'm talking on it right now. I've done a couple of sessions already this afternoon. And I've got a couple more on deck after, you know, I get done with you. So it's, I'm doing my job from the road. It's amazing. So how many miles do you track a year? Just say. Oh, I don't even know. I'll give you an example. This year um, was kind of a weird year because we actually upgraded our camper this year. We had gotten Uh that other one four years ago. And I have four kids, uh, young kids, in fact, uh, five, seven, 11, and 13. And I found that that other camper was just kind of tight. a little tight for us. <laughs> <laughs> there was a lot. There was a lot going on. There's a dog and too, I'm sure. A family. There's a dog kids. on the yeah, okay. absolutely. A dog, a <laughs> wife. You know, uh-huh, <laughs> we're right. a big crew. Yeah. So I was I was tripping over kids, you know, and we we decided maybe we should think a little bit bigger for what we're trying to do. So we actually traded it in and got a uh, something just a little bit better. It's not huge, but it's it's big enough for us. So that was that kind of slowed us up this year. We didn't log as many miles as normal. But we did go up to um, Lake Ontario for a week. We went to uh, another part of the Lower Peninsula in Michigan, which I'm, I actually live in the Lower Peninsula. Right now, we're spending three weeks in the Upper Peninsula on the coast of Lake um, Superior. Other than maybe a weekend here and there, that's probably going to wrap it up for this year for us. But next year, we're planning on going out west for three months. So that'll be a fun trip. Quite a bit of travel. And now there's no house. There's no grass to cut. There's no... No, there is a house. There is a house. Oh, you do have a house. I actually, okay. yeah, let, let's backtrack a little bit. After we made that first, those first couple of trips with the camper, uh-huh. we ended up selling our house because we had a big old farmhouse with 50 acres in Ohio. Right. And it was one, it was a, we put a lot of work into restoring it. But unfortunately, those old 1890s houses, um, <laughs> yeah. they're never ending. There's right. always something that needs done, you know, to keep them, uh, ma- you know, to keep the maintenance up on them. And it was just one of those things that just, you know, we were just always spending money on it. We thought, you know, maybe it's time to, to think a little smaller, a little newer. So we ended up selling that house and we, we actually lived in the RV over winter of 2018. Worked out of the RV down south in, uh, in South Carolina, Georgia. We spent some time in Florida, went down to the Keys for a couple of weeks. That is beautiful. If you ever get the chance Will to do. go to the Florida Keys, it's unbelievable. It's, it's like nothing else in Florida. So we spent the winter down south and then uh, came up back up north, bought a house, Mm -hmm. uh, spent a year mainly off the road. And now we're kind of back into it. 
uh, the house is not a fancy house. I mean, it's I don't have a lot of landscaping or anything because I don't want I don't want to spend time doing that stuff. I know a lot of people, and I I actually enjoy landscaping to a certain degree, but it is, I mean, you got to be around to do it. You got to take care of it. So I'm purposely trying to scale back that part of my life so that I can hit the road more because this is a lot of fun. So you have a home base, but you're out there traveling, and that's your first choice. Exactly. Now, my next question is, and I know my listeners are going to wonder too you've got four kids, you're on the road, you're doing what you love, they're going to school how? You know, we've homeschooled ever since uh, our firstborn was very young. Really? Um, yeah. And it, it kind of dates back to my wife and I, our childhood. We were both homeschooled. I was homeschooled from fifth grade on. Wow. And, and she was homeschooled uh, her entire childhood. And, and we're certainly not against public schooling. You know, every kid is different. Our oldest, we've thought about putting her in public school if she wanted to go. You know, the door is certainly open. Mm-hmm. Now it's a little different with COVID. You know, there's right. that open door is not so open anymore for anybody. And of course, homeschooling is really, uh, really going off the charts this year with with everything going on. Certainly, it's it's been uh, freeing for us in that, you know, we've been able to to tailor our child's education directly to them, while having the flexibility to hit the road. Now, the only thing that's been really challenging is we have our kids in a lot of extracurricular activities. Okay. Uh, that way, they get they get social time, they sure. get uh, team sports, all that thing. Problem with that is it does lock you down to where you can't travel as much. So that's been challenging to. Uh, to kind of figure out, you know, how much extracurricular stuff to do that allows us to still get away on our terms, you know, other because otherwise, you know, dance classes, they go all year, you know, you've oh, got yeah. competitions to get ready for. Soccer season, of course, is all summer long. Um, if you want it to be, <laughs> you know, it's it really, is. you know, what seasons you want to commit to. So that's been a little bit of a juggling act for us. But um, other than that, it's been pretty flexible. You have to sit through the whole recital, even if your kid yeah. is first, you know, you just can't Absolutely. go see ya. I mean, you can Between try. Between us, that but, is exhausting for, for us to have. <laughs> Been there, done that. Uh, so are either of you teachers? No, not really. I mean, my wife is, uh, she could be a teacher if she uh-huh, wanted to be. Uh-huh. But no, we, we don't have degrees for that or anything like that. You know, we, we do buy curriculums that are put together by teachers. She does most of it. I'll, I'll be honest. I don't do much with it. Um, she sits down with the kids and, and helps guide them through. I'm more of a, a moral support for her, I think, yeah, <laughs> in, yeah. in a lot of that ways. Because, you know, it can be... Uh, the days can be long sometimes, but, oh, yeah. um, but it, uh, you know, it seems to work our youngest two, it seems to fit them better than, than a public school atmosphere. So it, it it's works. something we'll probably continue with, especially with, you know, with things being the way they are with the pandemic and whatnot. Now, what are the ages of the kids? Ages of the kids are five, my five-year-old, uh, Caleb, uh, seven-year-old Josie, 11-year-old Andrew and 13-year-old Brianna. 13 going on 18, I think. The, the years are yeah. flying. Incredible. I tell you, you know, the older you get, the faster yes, time goes. It is. So true. So what are the drawbacks? They learn in different ways. Yes. And, you know, that's the challenge is to find ways to teach them, whether it's through auditory or, or is it visual? You know, how, how do they best learn? Uh, because they are unique, as, as are most kids. Uh, you know, everybody learns differently. I actually process things pretty good, you know, when I when I hear it, you know, as opposed to reading it. So it's one of those things. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, and, and of course, teenagers are teenagers. So <laughs> they hit a certain age where, yeah. you know, mom and dad aren't as cool as they used to be. And uh, now they're teaching us, you know, so it's right. uh, you have to adapt constantly. I think um, year to year, we're always uh, we're always adjusting, making minor adjustments and, you know, what curriculums we're using because uh, everyone is different on how it, how it's being taught to the kids. So. I don't know, just ongoing, you know, every day, day to day challenges that 
but, yeah, but the, so far so good. I mean, everything's positive. But the two of you were homeschooled, so that makes things easier since you have that experience yourself of being homeschooled. Yeah, and figure out, you know, what what did we enjoy about it? What didn't right, we enjoy so much that right. we want to want to change for these guys? So there are some co-op led classes that we have done. Um, where the kids get together with other homeschoolers on on maybe one day a week, oh, great. and they are led by local teachers and art professors and people that are brought in, and a lot of parents too that, that are qualified to get up in front and mm-hmm. and teach it. So it's more of a classroom setting. We've done that uh, last year and and a couple of years before that, and that was the kids really enjoy that. It gives them a chance to experience uh, you know a classroom setting, but mainly it's all one on one most days. And I think as far as advice, I mean, homeschooling, unfortunately, isn't for everyone. There yeah. are certain people that, that, you know, gravitate towards it. It's a lot, a lot like camping in that way. Yeah. You know, I love camping. My wife likes camping. But camping isn't for everybody, let's face it. I, I don't think everybody should homeschool because I know there's people that, that aren't geared to that and, mm. and, and don't maybe have the uh, – Maybe they have different qualities, you know, that, that lend themselves more to going out and, and enjoying a career – you know, right. while the kids are at school and stuff. And, you know, maybe time at home with the kids is is kind of stressful, you know, when it goes on and on and on, like this pandemic has, has shown a lot of people. So it is challenging because a lot of people are doing homeschooling now that, that maybe aren't cut out for it. So the only thing I can say is that, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know where this is going to end, but certainly things eventually will get back to some sort of normal, I would think, with school. So it's just, you got, I think you got to think of it as temporary and do the best you can. And hopefully, you know, there's there's other things that you enjoy with your kids that you can do to kind of offset the time that you're both incredibly frustrated oh, <laughs> learning together. I can together. imagine. Yeah, you know I mean? everybody's learning together. Um, your voice, they describe you as natural as nature. And for my listeners just tuning in, Joe, the voice guy, he does voiceovers for a living. He's got a very natural sound. He homeschools his four kids. But I also see on social media, he's a pretty good fisherman. I don't know about good. Yeah, I've <laughs> seen a couple of it. You can't really say, oh, I got this big one, but I had to throw him back because <laughs> I've seen pictures. So, Well, I was better back when I had more time to do it. I found that... Uh, as you have, you know, more kids, more right. responsibilities, that's kind of one of the things that has gone to the wayside a bit. But as the kids are getting older, you know, I'm, I'm finding that, you know, it's just a different type of fishing now. Before it was it was more solo or, or with buddies. Now it's, you know, putting worms on kids hooks and, and you know, making sure I take them to a place where they will, will actually catch some fish, you know. Right. Because I think I think the people who don't I have this theory. It's a weird theory and it may not even be true. But I have a, a theory where I talk to someone that says, oh, I don't like to fish. Um, they usually always have a story about how somebody would take them to fish, but they'd never catch anything as right. a kid. I suspect that if they had gone to a, you know, a pond maybe that had a bunch of little tiny bluegill in it or something, right. it was, they were just catching something that they would, they would maybe have, would have a different perspective on it now as an adult. Um, so I try, you know, I try to get my kids, even if we're not catching big fish, um, you know, even if even if it's minnows, when, whenever okay. a kid sees a bobber, you know, bouncing up and down in the water, they get excited. They don't they don't care what's on the end of it, you know. So that's really my goal now as a fisherman is just to try to, and that's challenging going from place to place because yeah. you don't have the local information. Um, a lot of times you can stop into a local bait shop and they'll give you some tips, but uh, to try to find fish, you know, when you're on the road and also. You got to buy a fishing license in every state. Yes, and that kind of stinks as well. And then the competition but, among the kids, you know, who caught the first fish. Oh, yeah. And then the other three yeah, or, are going, or, right? And, and, and taking them all out at once, 
oh man thankfully the older two are getting getting to where they can help the younger two that was and for a while there that was intense as well so you kind of have to sometimes take you know two at a time and then it's who gets to go with dad next you know so it's a, we, we still fish it just looks very different than it did 10 years ago oh for me. yeah for sure and i love fishing myself because i'm one of the latter yeah. that okay. you were speaking of where um i grew up in the freshwater lakes up in upstate new york and catch fish a lot and i remember fishing with my grandparents and catching smallmouth bass and mm-hmm. you could hear me throughout the whole lake going oh yeah <laughs> so i think you're right that first experience is, that makes a big difference. Oh, yeah, because most kids can't sit there with a fishing rod no. and, and just That's wait. That's asking a lot. I right. can do it, I but, yeah. <laughs> you know. I'm that guy. So do you fish? How often do you go fishing? We try to, um, you know, during the fishing season, I guess, uh, uh, during the middle of winter, we don't get out as much, obviously, but because yeah. uh, we're up north. But, yeah, I mean, we try to get out, you know, if there's a place around um, certainly at home, we live, uh, we actually live on a lake, uh, right across the road. So we're out with the boat, we're out, uh, you know, canoeing and that sort of thing on the road. I mean, it's, it's really what's nearby is there a river nearby. We happen to be right now. Um, let me see if I pronounce this right. The Keweenaw Peninsula, the upper peninsula of Michigan. It's a very, one of the very tips of All the, right. uh, it's cold of up the there. Uh, upper peninsula. Yeah. Yeah, it's very chilly right now, but yeah. there's a kind of a lake that's actually separating um, one side of the peninsula from the other. I'm sorry, a, a river channel. So that's mm. right on this campground. So hopefully later today, I bought some red worms yesterday. I don't want to dig up the campground looking for worms. They probably look at me kind of funny. So <laughs> so I bought some worms. <laughs> We're going to go down to the dock. We're going to put some bobbers on. We'll see if we can uh, come up with something, even if it's small. Anybody who does voiceovers, who travels while doing it, and teaching their kids on the road with them, and also fishes. This is like a unique, <laughs> it's a unique gig. And, and it's, you know, the voiceover world is so competitive, and everybody is, is migrating to New York or LA, you know, which yeah, I don't that's... know if that's necessarily, I don't know, it's a whole other podcast when you start talking about voiceovers and where you should be. But um, mm. it's not like you get to travel in a be on the road and just do voiceovers. I mean, you have to establish uh, a client base and there's a lot of work way ahead of doing something like this, right? I mean, you know, it's so true. And and honestly, I mean, this could never even be done probably, we'll say 10 years ago. Yeah, definitely 15 years ago, it couldn't have been done. It couldn't have been done before 4G cell really became a thing um, and became reliable because 3G wouldn't have cut it. I mean, we have to do a lot of, you know, live sessions, kind of like what we're doing right now, you know, where I'm talking to you higher quality, you know, and, mm-hmm. and you, you're recording on your end. Uh, a lot of that sort of thing requires a certain level of cell. And that's certainly the challenge of being on the road. Even today, um, there's a lot of area, especially up here in the upper peninsula of Michigan, where there is no cell at all. There's sites you can look and see um, kind of, you know, where cell coverage is and where it isn't. Mm-hmm. And we, we definitely only stay, you know, where there's good cell because I can't work if I don't have that crucial part right. of the, the technology of it all. So there really isn't any need to be in the big cities as far as you're concerned. I mean, and for anybody. As far as I'm concerned, no. Um, If you want to do animation work, like cartoons and Mm -hmm. high-level stuff like that, uh, you really need to be in L.A. from what I'm told. Um, They still do all of that stuff. At least they did right before the pandemic. Um, They did all that stuff in a room with with different actors, you know, standing around uh, recording their parts live, Mm -hmm. which kind of adds to the uh, synergy of it all. Uh, I never had an an interest really in in the cartoon aspect of voiceover. It just wasn't, I don't do a lot of voices. Like, you know, there's some people that's, that's what they do. They do funny voices Mm -hmm. and they want to be, they want to be on cartoons. That was never me. I'm more of the, you know, just the the guy next door voice. That's a little versatility on some, on some things. You know, I was never a cartoon voice. 
What do you see? What do you envision? It's such a crazy business. I don't know where it's going to go. It's more uncertain than ever. It's harder than ever to build the business. It seems like it, it was a lot easier in the uh, late 2000s. Mm-hmm. It seems like everybody and their brother is trying voiceover. It ends up on these top 10 lists you see on the internet. <laughs> Yeah. Um, clickbait articles, you know, the best careers to work at from home, you know, right, right. and voiceovers, you know, never used to be on those. It is on there now. And, and of course, uh, a lot of, a lot of the, uh, the sites that are, that are ca- casting far and wide, you know, everybody's on, we're all competing against each other. Uh, we all have different sounds, sure. But at the end of the day, I mean, we're still competing against each other. Right. There's only so many jobs and forever. They said there's way more work you know, out there than there is voiceover. In other words, it's, you know, there's plenty of work for everybody. Well, I'm not so sure that's the case anymore. And I actually tell people, you know, rethink if you want to get into voiceover, first of all, don't give up your day job and and just make sure you really want to get into voiceover. Don't get into it for the money. It's really hard to build right now. I'm just going to be, be real about it. You know, it's, it's a challenging, challenging career. Thankfully, you know, I started when I did. I was able to build it up over time, a lot of time. And, and, you know, I'm still trying to build it, but it's just really tough right now in 2020. And everybody, you know, is working from home now. So the whole industry is, is, is really shifting right now like we've never seen before. Where's your next home stop? Where are you going to go next? Yeah, we, uh, we have one more week up here um, over and we're going to actually change over to the other side, the eastern side of the Upper Peninsula. We're right. really milking this for all we can. And then it's back to Grand Rapids um, for uh, for at least a few weeks. And then, you know, we're kind of playing it by ear because the whole pandemic has just been so uncertain with as far as whether campgrounds would be open to begin with right, and by a certain right. date. We actually had this trip scheduled for earlier in the year and they had an open campgrounds at that point in time. So it was, we're just kind of, you know, maybe a little less certain of where we're going to end up. We are now reserving though the... Uh, the spots out west that we want for next year because it that's the other thing that's blowing up is camping in general yeah. people are buying rvs left and right we're oh, seeing yeah. so many new faces on the road people that have never camped before and they're they're learning the ropes of how, how it goes down in campgrounds and you know uh, uh learning how to drive their big rigs that maybe they're not completely qualified to drive <laughs> I don't and yeah, gas prices are really friendly right now, so that's always a good thing. Right. You know, it's it's I don't know if it's going to stay this way, but yeah, a lot of people are doing it. So we're actually reserving for for next year out west in Yellowstone and some of those those high traffic areas. So beyond that, you know, it's uh, oh, oh, I know. We're going to tentatively planning to go to the Keys again this winter. Oh, there uh, you leaving, go. Leaving around Christmas time and going down for a month at least. So I live um, a good <laughs> you you do your kids really your kids are seeing such a great part of life i was just thinking of ernest hemingway's house with all the cats got to stop <laughs> by that's all i remember of key west i do not live a very interesting life thank you for taking the time today i really appreciate that it's, i love your podcast too it's so conversational with people and getting to know their stories it's wonderful so nice to have you here today you've been listening to spotlight conversations with donna reed thanks for tuning in 